0: Back to Bird's Eye View when it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast and your critical source for lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is July 6, thousand twenty. This is episode two ninety-eight. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. And in this week's show, we'll love baseball so much, it will make us sick.
1: That's right. We'll also get ready for a little
0: fantasy baseball. And we'll do that all after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, what are you imbibing on this evening? Well, Scott, you've you caught me in an in an awkward spot. I'm I'm right at the
1: end of one beverage and about to start another one at some point during the show. So uh, I'm going to tell you about both. Uh, the one I'm, I'm more proud of is, uh, is a Snake Dog IPA. It's one of my favorite brews. It would probably be my favorite beer if Loose Cannon did not exist. Um, but what I'm finishing off right now is, is really an homage to my great-grandmother. Um, I'm, I'm drinking National Bohemian. I foolishly put it in the wine fridge instead of in the regular fridge, and so it didn't chill to the optimal temperature. It wasn't as cold as I would have liked, so like any other Baltimorean out there, I poured myself a glass of ice and poured the Natty bow in there, and I'm enjoying, sir, a watered-down but frigid National Bohemian the way my family was supposed to. Oh, boy. What about what a beer yeah, what, a, what a beer what about you scotty what are you drinking
0: well jake if we're going to do homages i'm going to pay homage back to a former orioles podcast uh and we're going to return back to circa 2013 and it's time for confessions time so uh just returning from the delaware beaches i'm drinking a bold rock hard cider uh currently owned by the victory brewing company um but my confessions comes back to you know some of the alcoholic choices that i had over uh this week while on vacation and I may had dabbled into the Jake English territory of Corona Extra, uh, Miller Lite, but I also maybe had dabbled in a little bit of Cupcake Moscato, and at some point, something that was called a Moscato Sangria. Um, let's just say a lot of bad choices were made um, by myself, and and one of the reasons why was, again, didn't want to go out and entertain the the wilds um, out there in, in terms of the Rehoboth Beach uh, and, and the Delaware locations. Um, but part of me was also just lazy, just wanting to basically give be given free beer. So Jake, the many a times I have judged you in the past, this is your opportunity to judge me. Uh, I will do better in the future of picking uh, select beverages to post to untapped in the future.
1: Scott, Scott, when in Rome, do as the Romans do? and in, and, in fact, beyond that, desperate times call for desperate measures, my leash. If you're interested to see what we're drinking on a daily or weekly basis, if you'd like to mock us, please do so
0: on untapped. I'm at Jake E four zero two five. And I'm at M a G N eight six zero six. And with that, let's go to 280 characters or less this week on the Twitters.
1: Jake, start us off. All right, Scotty. I have always considered Matt Taylor to be a big name and he's starting to pick up some traction. This is a tweet from MLB Trade Rumors, who tweet at MLB Trade Rumors, and it says this: several big names are working to put a franchise in Nashville, and then a link to the article. Scotty, I'm so glad that the rest of the world is starting to agree with me. Matt Taylor is a big name.
0: Absolutely, no question about it. Uh, Jake, um, this next tweet comes from Olivia Witherwright, again former, um, you know, social content creator for Masson. Um, moved out to San Francisco, back in the Maryland vicinity for the time being. Um, and her tweet goes as follows: Your complaints generalizing all of Baltimore, especially the areas by the stadium, are tired. And then it's the yawn emoji. Uh, Jake, uh, I don't know if Baltimore is ever going to get over this stereotype, um, uh, that has been basically broadcast on it from either you know folks that have watched The Wire or you know listening to our fearless leader, um. It, Is this kind of complaint ever going to disappear? No, this
1: is what you call evergreen content. But, you know, with people like Olivia out there, uh, you know, maybe maybe the future isn't quite so dark. And, and, oh, I just want to thank you. And maybe this will even, you know, get us to forgive you for that thing you
0: said about Petco Park. Eh, I don't think so.
1: All right. Um, Here's a question. Why not us? Scott, why not us? This is a tweet that comes to us from Matt Kremnitzer, at Matt Kremnitzer, in what we could possibly call the Matt Kremnitzer corner of this week on the Twitter, some birds have you. The at Red Sox, sign Andrew Kashner, you cowards. Okay, that's great. But Scott, why not us?
0: Why can't we be cowards? That's true. Don't Don't we need pitchers? Don't we need pitchers with mullets? I think we do. I think we do. I mean, it, it actually makes a lot of sense, Jake. What you're saying is we should go out there and sign Andrew Kashner and then we should trade him to the Red Sox at the trade deadline Um, and, you know, get some, you know, meaningless arms um back into our organization. You mean some 16 year olds? Jake, I'm always looking for 16 year olds. Especially with some Moscato Sangria. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is where we talk about our sponsor. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Uh, so let's get back to normal, uh, with our next tweet. Uh, this comes from Rockabatka. Brandon Hyde on Chris Davis. He came in with a strong intent to have a good year. I was telling him this morning, the ball just sounds different off his bat. He's hitting balls onto Utah Street in BP. It's pretty impressive. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's good to see Brandon Hyde and Chris Davis getting along compared to what it was last year. Um, Hyde and Davis definitely had some frosty interactions, um, both in terms of some of the comments that he made, you know, after they came to uh, a kerfuffle, as it were, but also even beforehand in terms of just the approach that Davis is taking to the plate. So I don't know, Jake. Maybe something has changed. Maybe something has clicked with Chris Davis, or maybe Brandon Hyde is getting better with just hiding his emotions. <laughs>
1: uh, I I am so enthused by this tweet because it it shows. You know, just like you said, a a sense of normalcy. Here we are, before the season has started, talking meaninglessly about Chris Davis in vague hopes that he'll do anything other than frustrate us. Um, Yeah, it feels like spring training.
0: Absolutely. Best shape of our lives. (laughs) Well, baseball is slowly returning um, at this given time um, in one way or another, um folks are out there jogging around in shorts um and, and playing the game that we all love. But obviously there's a thing there's a little bit of a distraction going on. Let's take a quick break and get into what baseball is going to look like when it returns. Maybe.
1: All right, it's 2020, and so if you've been a little distracted from the world of baseball, basically watching the world unravel around you, we'll, we'll forgive you for Thanks. That. But, I appreciate that, Jake. <laughs> you, you very well. But, you know, it, it's been two weeks since we've been back, uh, behind these mics, so I just figured maybe we could spend a second, Scott, just taking a step back, reminding ourself, uh, ourselves of what's been going on, right? So... Let, let me just walk you through this. And, and please, Scott, stop and check my math. As you know, you always have to Sure. make Make sure that, you know, important factors haven't gotten by me here. But but let's just take this simply, right? MLB and the Players Association, you know, danced around negotiations for terms for the 2020 season and, and couldn't come up with a solution better than just the the standard default option, which was that MLB can impose a 60 game season.
0: Right. Yes. Which they so, did at the very end of our last episode, like two minutes before we were closing it out, which is great timing. Great yeah, thanks, timing. Guys. Thanks, appreciate Major League it. Baseball. Really appreciate that.
1: So, so here we are. We, we have this 60-game season imposed on us. But it has a lot of like really weird conditions to meet these really weird times, right? We've got um, roster changes. Uh, we've got rule changes. We've got health and safety protocols. Like it's It's going to be baseball. Right. But it's it's going to be different, you know, not not just because we can't show up and watch it, but it's going to be different. You know, I I kind of feel for um, I kind of feel for National League fans who hate the the idea of the DH, because though I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other about whether or not the, the DH should be universal, like to have COVID be the thing that broke the NL of of the DH, like that's a bummer for them. Right.
0: Uh yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, you know I I think you know coming coming to this point of like, hey, you know the National League has had the DH for such a long period of time that this was the straw that broke the camel's back, uh, and, and still may return. I mean it's it's you know it's only gone for this season and the 2021 season. Um, so it could come back after the CBA is renegotiated. Um, I, I don't think it's going to come back. I think this is the end of it. Um. But in, in reality, this should have been over 30 plus years ago by the Phillies, you know, president and general manager coming and actually attending the vote and, and, and basically nuking it out of existence. Um, I, I Anybody that comes back and says, well, you know, pitchers should be able to hit are the same kind of people that saying, well, you know, they're young enough and they're making millions of dollars. They should be able to go out there and compete without mask. Um, it's this, you know, veiled on uh, under understanding of you know what the bigger picture is, in my opinion, Scotty, Scotty, those
1: cancers have to man up. They don't need
0: masks. That's true. That's true.
1: Oh, oh is that is that not
0: okay? Yeah, let's let's hold on to historical uh, semblances of something that doesn't actually exist in any reality um, in order to make something worse.
1: All right. So you you have you have brought us to the next point, which is health and safety. Yeah. Right? there is a lot that has been negotiated as, as far as health and safety. Um, and, and one of those is that, you know, players who, who feel unsafe uh, can choose to opt out of the 2020 season. And I think this is really interesting because there's kind of like a, there's kind of a cast system here, right? So players who are considered to be uh, at high risk can opt out and, and, you know, receive pay and service time, or maybe it's just service time. Uh, and then the, the, the rest of them lose out on all of that. Um, but, you know, the, the opting out is, is really weird to me, right? Like um, we're, we're starting to see some, some more names come up, but I'd, I'd like to, to put a pin in the, the opting out and who opts out and who doesn't and, and come back to that. The next thing, though, is that as as far as health and safety are concerned, part of the agreement depends on COVID-19 testing and certain guarantees on test turnarounds as far as timing is concerned. And those timetables have not been consistently met yet. Uh, let me ask you, I mean, this, this to me doesn't look like a particularly good sign for baseball's ability to operate in this environment. I mean, what do you think?
0: I mean, it certainly doesn't seem like it's getting started well out of the gate, which just seems to, um, you know, say you know disaster is approaching rapidly um you know if we would have gotten two to three weeks into the season and then there were some bumps in the road you'd be like okay well hopefully they'll be able to iron it out but the fact that it started at the very beginning is really damning to the whole process not to mention you can take a look at the various teams that are out there uh, in terms of how they've gone out and basically um, gone about hiring um, certain folks as it relates to being testers um, and, and it seems like Major League Baseball ownership has gone about this in as cheap of a way as possible. It's like, yeah, we're doing something, but in reality, we're doing as little as possible to do so. Um, it's kind of making the aspect of like, we're following the safety protocols as is described per OSHA, um, but we're not going above and beyond in order to be world class. And again, I I think ultimately this is the kind of stuff that when we look at um, the agreements and and disagreements that were going on between the players association and Major League Baseball ownership, um, I think a part of it was if Major League Baseball ownership is not able to deliver on putting the players into um, a safe environment, um, I think the players are going to be in a really good position to come back and potentially um, sue the ownership group of Major League Baseball um for damages um both in terms of games that were not played because they postponed the season um you know with this you know constant back and forth um but also just not being able to provide a safe working environment um for them to conduct business in as well um but yeah it certainly again it is showing how cheap um the majority of major league baseball ownership is that's not everybody um but there are a few owners out there that are really you know exemplifying um, why' they have a bad name
1: my my problem is that even even if it weren't an issue of you know cheap or nefarious behavior by the owners, I'm not sure how they reasonably could expect to be able to uphold the the commitments of all the testing. Testing is a pretty serious issue right now, right? like it takes a while to get tests. It takes a while like there just isn't enough to go around and there aren't enough. Yeah, labs available to do it. Like that, it seems like an unreasonable and and kind of naive expectation that oh yeah sure we can do this.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it's still a huge um, you know billion dollar ten billion dollar industry. You know I, I think ultimately um, if they want to go ahead and do this for you know three thousand folks and it's not even going to be that much because they're only going to test certain certain folks. Um, I, I I think that. Ultimately, they could do it pretty easily. I mean, most of these test kits are not that ridiculously expensive. Um, I, I think Major League Baseball could easily do this if they wanted to. There was such good news coming out, you know, at the very beginning of this process where, you know, under 2% of the given test scenarios were in a positive situation, um, which was completely different than what we were expecting. You know, we were expecting that number to be, you know, almost three times as high. Um, so, you know, just... That ability to be saying, hey, we're getting started and now we're not knowing where we stand just puts a really foul and sour taste in my mouth. Um, but certainly I'm not going to make excuses for Major League Baseball not being able to get this done. If they thought they were going to have an issue with this in terms of doing the t- turnaround times and stuff like that, then we're going to have further issues as this prolongs out, especially as certain states begin to spike once again in terms of um, outbreaks occur- occur- occurring as well.
1: I, I just I don't think you understand Scott. You see, the more tests you, you have,
0: the more numbers you're gonna have. It makes baseball look bad. It does make the baseball baseball look bad. I mean, you know, looking at Major <laughs> League Baseball's statement today that they put out, um, you know, they indicated that um they are sending all the results to a Utah based lab um and it's new you know, just like you said, an unprecedented amount of timing. Um, And actually have confirmation for all the positive tests, you know, from a a medical certainty standpoint, uh, and then just kind of working a a seven-day-a-week schedule. It's interesting to me that, you know, Major League Baseball is working out of all results out of one lab as opposed to doing it more on a regional basis. So I would think that if you're going to have an East Coast team, a a Midwest team, and and a West Coast team, that you would actually spread out the testing into regional test facilities just from a shipping and handling standpoint alone – um, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense um, for a billion dollar organization
1: alright alright I hear you alright so that's I mean that's basically the, the, the situation um, so I, Scotty I've, I've got I've got a question for you okay. um, you know you and I are, have been pretty uh, pretty consistent with our messaging that we think that uh, you know we love baseball but we think baseball is a bad idea right now um, how long do you think the twenty twenty baseball season lasts?
0: Oh, that's the I guess the huge three billion dollar question in the room. Um so, you know, based off the spikes that are occurring within you know countries or states such as California, Texas, Florida, um, and, and more likely states that are coming down the road. I mean, Delaware, for example, that I was just in. Um, is starting to see a spike specifically in beach communities such as Sussex County. I, I have to think that, you know, there is going to be an outbreak um, in the near future. And if it's not an outbreak on a state level, it's going to be an outbreak within a given camp or within a given team. And it's going to get really bad really quickly. <sighs> I think the season gets started, but I don't think they get through. 20 or 30 games before they, they call it. Um, so I, if they get past 30 games, I'd be surprised is, is what I, I'll say.
1: Yeah. And, and again,
0: you know, we should mention we love baseball. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, I would love to we, see, you know, no increased cases, everything runs in smoothly. Major League Baseball delivers on testing in a 48 hour period. We see 60 games. We see a great playoff series uh, occur throughout October. I don't care about the Orioles. I just want to see baseball. I just am more realistic based off of what we've seen throughout twenty twenty to this point.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we we you got to understand, guys. We talk about baseball every week from our mother's basements. I mean, we we have a dedication and a love for this thing. It just it just doesn't look good right now, right? So I, I think Scotty, we should um, you know we maybe maybe it's a poll. Uh, maybe, maybe it's a pool, right? Maybe we maybe we should, uh, put some money on this, but basically I want, I want to know, you know, will it be canceled, you know, before here, here are my five scenarios. Okay. Will it be canceled before the opening day on the, the July 23rd, 25th or 24th? Uh, the second uh, scenario is that it's canceled, you know, within the first week of the season. The third scenario uh, is I think the one you're describing in which it's it's the season is canceled, you know, after about 30 games or so. The fourth is that the the season is canceled when it's basically over. And the fifth and, and I think most tragic is that the 2020 season is called off during the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the question for me is what is going to be the trigger point um, that is going to basically say, oh, no, we've got to stop this. Um And, you know, there's been one that I thought was extremely interesting, um, and and I'll pull it up, um, but, you know, I think it's going to be either a team becomes infected or a certain star player um, gets infected and or um, suffers um, life-changing conditions, which prompts all the remaining players to be like, you know what, we're done. Like, this ain't happening. Um, and, and I look at one of the scenarios that like Freddie Freeman that is currently going through um, where he is tested positive for COVID. Um, he is, you know, battling um, the symptoms of it. Um, you know, Nick Marcakis was you know, interviewed on that um, said he didn't sound good. It didn't sound like Freddie does. And I'm just wondering, is there going to be a certain point where a few other players get impacted by this, not just testing positive, but showing deteriorating health conditions and the players basically come together and say, it's not worth it. We're done.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I just, uh, I just don't know. Uh, you know, and the other thing is that, you know, here we are talking about whether or not baseball happens, but another thing I, I think about is, you know, let's say that the 20 season, 2020 season completes, you know, how much like baseball will it be? Right, we, we already have a shortened season, a sixty-game season. You know how how people wonder uh, will that seem like a, a real season? But my question is is like if enough players opt out, what will that mean for the, the feel? Like, so I guess let me let me go back to having put a pin in the, in the opting out. Like, my question is if enough players opt out will it feel different, right? Like, will there be enough high-quality players left in the pools if a quarter of players opt?
0: So I think it'll still be a baseball season. I think, you know, you and I have been to plenty of Little League games before where we we still take it in as a baseball game. But I do think, you know, we've kind of, you know, shooed away this aspect that this season will have an asterisk on it. But I do think that in this case, this season will have an asterisk on it. You know, Folks will always look back at this season and be like, well, that's the COVID season. Um, you know, similar to 94, um, when there was no World Championship, um, I, I think that this season is going to have that similar feel of like, there was something odd, and we don't really count that as a true baseball season. So I think we'll remember it, um, and I think it'll have a memory um, as baseball, um, but I don't think it'll have the same weight that a typical baseball season does.
1: Do you think that the Do you think that enough players will opt out? Do you think enough talented players will opt out to decrease the overall level of play?
0: So I think that's the bigger question: is do we think enough quality players are going to opt out? Um, I don't think to start the season that will be the case. However, I do think as the season progresses, we're going to see several big players start to opt out and at that point i think it'll kind of dilute um the greatness of the of the baseball um season um and you know the value of continuing on forward yeah
1: i and i've also thought about like what is the role of baseball's star players right like we, we don't really have this problem in Baltimore because we don't have any star players, you know, particularly because we're not going to have Trey Mancini. But um, if you were a real baseball team and had real star players, like can you imagine being an Angels fan and, you know, Mike Trout opting out or, uh, you know, like well, other just absolute anchor players uh, that, you know, that, that seems to me like it would greatly impact, you know, your, your ability to, to connect to the team. You know, if, if you are, you know, if your favorite player, if you're, if you're a nine year old and your favorite player opts out of the season, you know, maybe you don't have as much drive and connection to the sport. It just seems like there are a lot of things that can happen with this opt out that can change the game, change our, our experience with the game. Um, it's. It's. I think it's going to cause a lot of a lot of issues.
0: Yeah, I. I think this is an another thing of you know Major League Baseball for years now has been pushing back at certain um, you know superstars. I always call it like Mike Trout to really get out there and in essence um, broadcast the game to really promote the game as it were. Um, and it'll be interesting to see as certain superstars turn the table at Major League Baseball and they basically say. We're walking away from the game, um, to basically preserve the game. Um, I think that would be a really powerful message. Um, if someone like Mike Trout, uh, Francisco Lindor, um, you know, Cody Bellinger all kind of just said, we're done. Uh, we're not going to go forward. It's not in the best interest of us as players. And we're going to be advocating for the rest of, you know, the players to sit out. I certainly think that Major League Baseball could hobble together and continue on. Um, If they wanted to, because you could replace some of those superstars with, you know, subpar talent. Um, But again, it would continue to shatter um, what was the game um, and people actually believing that it's the right right call to keep keep on moving forward, I think.
1: Well, now, you know, if that were to happen, I guess other other fan bases would know what it feels like. You know, to have the best player in your team left over be, you know, like a Renu- Renato Nunez quality.
0: Absolutely. It, like I said, it'd be the, the best of the best on the worst of the worst.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All righty. I, I think,
1: you know, I think that the the other and, and you know, possibly most long-lasting effect that this might have, this, this opting out business would have on baseball is I think it would be another... Avenue through which um, dumb politics could get brought into the sport, right? Like we already watch players and and particularly retired players um, bring dumb politics into the sport via Twitter. Um, but because the the virus is such a politicized issue, you know, like uh, we're the only only country in the developed world that has that problem, like. I think that it, it puts baseball in an awkward position of its business um, and its players upon which of that business is is based, you know, being drawn into this stupid culture war associated with COVID-19.
0: So I think it's inevitable. I mean, it's already begun to happen, um, as you mentioned, with retired players. Uh, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts of this you know, inherent difference, um, on a cultural basis. Again, it's not even liberal and conservative, but it's individualism versus community. Um, and again, you know, I think it's going to enter into this aspect of almost toxic individualism where people are basically saying, um, I want to impose, um, my individual belief on a given community, um, and basically not worry about the repercussions of what it does to the given community. Um, And I think that's going to happen um, with baseball as it is where people are going to say, I can't believe Major League Baseball players are opting out um, and deciding not to play and continue on the sport. They're making millions of dollars. And, you know, do you know how much I would give to basically go and make millions of dollars to play a kid's game? It's bound to happen. I've already seen it in the comments. Um, You know, the conversations are going to be had in August and September. Um, and even into October, as we continue to ramp up into November, um, so we might as well just accept that it is what it is, and we might as well come to some kind of consensus of what can Major League Baseball do between you know the organization and the players association to have a you know a a, a, a voice that is combined together that can speak out against anybody that holds um, an opposing opposition to that given mindset that thinks about the general community, um, the general players, the general personnel that interact around them um, and not just about one person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: we're, we're inevitably going to hit the, uh, you know, Oh, I can't, I can't believe that, you know, this is being allowed to happen, but you know, you listen to voices in the game, like Sean Doolittle. Oh, yeah. right now, Right. And, and, yeah, you, know, you gotta love what you see there. Someone who's saying, "Look, I want to play. I absolutely want to play. I just I want it to be safe." So, hey, if baseball is important to you, do what it takes to get us on the field, right? I mean, what did he say? He said, "You know, baseball is the reward of a fully functional society." Um, yeah, we're gonna see that in in full. Full effect. And, I, and, you know, as you and I are, are sitting here talking doom and gloom about how we just don't think a baseball season can be supported, you know, that's in every way, because you know, I think you and I look across the country and, and don't like the response to the pandemic that we see. Right. So, you know, if we if we start seeing people, you know, act like adults and form a more fun- fully functional society. Then, yeah, we'll have baseball. Um, But I I think, you know, I think it's more likely that baseball will simply be, you know, another battleground on which that stupid um, battle is fought rather than doing what it takes to you know get back to normal quicker
0: yeah i mean I, I think you know kind of closing out this given conversation you know we mentioned retired baseball players and again this individual is not the only person that's put this out but there was a, a, a tweet out there from o- o- oswald he said let the guys play Quick, coming up with stupid rules like no spitting if you are scared stay home if you are not strap it on hashtag mlb and it's this given mindset of like just get over it and be a man almost. Um, you know, just go out there and do your job. Um But but in reality, it's not just go out there and do your job. It's go out there and do your job if it's safe and effective for you to do your job. You know, like I come back and I, I think back to you know the work environment um, that we are all in. If we see something that is not appropriate, it's our onus to speak up and say, that's not right. We need to take on that charge. And You know, coming back to Chris Davis um, and, you know, looking for the future with him, you know, I think he made some really great quotes here, you know, when the media asked him of like, how is this going to be in in this new aspect with the clubhouse? And he basically came out and said, look, it's going to be on us to enforce our clubhouse. And if we see someone stepping out of line in terms of not taking the precautions or being safe, we are all going to vocally be advocates for it. And I think that's an important aspect of this individualism, like Ori Oswald is saying, of just saying, just stay home if you can't do it. Uh, And instead, you know, more being a community basis of saying, hey, we're all looking out for each other and we're all taking the precautions. And even if you're a 20-year-old and you may have a, a lesser risk than someone in their 40s and 50s, we are still taking all the precautions necessary so that no one has an increased risk more so than they need to at this given time. Um, and as much as we bash on Chris Davis in terms of his, um, you know, playing ability on the field, that's the kind of leadership and kind of vocal message that I want to see in the clubhouse, um, from someone that's a seasoned veteran. Sure.
1: You, you talk about seasoned veterans. I mean, let's talk about, uh, the Nick Marcakis watch. Yeah. Right? Uh, Nick, <laughs> Nick Markakis, Here's, here's the quote. You ready for the quote? Sure. He says, I'm at the point in my career where I'm not chasing the money, I'm not chasing any of that. I want to win and have fun, but it's not at a point in time. It's not at a, uh, at a point in time. This game is about having fun. And to just go out there and play in front of an environment with no fans, that's just not baseball to me. It's not how I was brought up in the game. It's all about the fans. The fans are what makes this whole operation run. And to have that, uh, to go out there and not have them be a part of it, it's, it's tough. To me, baseball is baseball, but it's not baseball without fans in the ballpark. No, I don't know. Uh, I, uh, I don't know how to feel about this. Frankly, I I, I don't know that it matters that we're not going to be there,
0: right? Yeah, it's an interesting quote, in my opinion. You know, he, he mentioned, too, during his interview about opting out, about, you know, wanting to opt out after talking to Freddie Freeman. And then you look at that quote that he gives, and it's just like, it seems a little wishy-washy. I mean, a part of me is also looking at what Marquise is making, and it's not a, that much. Um, you know, I think I'm not sure he's at retirement, but I think he's getting closer and closer every single day. Um, I I just don't know, you know, if I think he basically just judged. It's not worth it to me based off of the value that I'm bringing home. Like, ultimately, I'm going to choose myself and my family over the dollar value that has been committed to me at this given point and the risk that's associated with it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Come on back to Moncton, Nick.
0: Absolutely, I know somebody that uh, can clean your ducks out.
1: (laughs) All right. Is there anything else that we need to say about the state of baseball as it is and might be?
0: I mean, not in regards to COVID. I mean, I do think it's important that if we are going to have a baseball season, I think we need to you know fantasize about what that could potentially look like, though, Jake. Sure. Well, let's let's get into a little fantasy
1: baseball. What might happen? Should a season take place. Alright Scotty, let's get our fantasizing on. Let's imagine that there are no problems in this world... And baseball is really happening. That's right. The boys are back in town. The Baltimore Orioles are back kind of sort of playing baseball at Camden Yards. That's a fun thing,
0: right? Uh, yeah. I mean, if it does happen, it will be great to see um, Orioles baseball at Camden Yards. I will even take Orioles baseball at the Trop um, in the near future.
1: Yuck. Yeah. Um, Okay. So let's just, let's talk about it. So let's start with the the roster. All right. We know that the season, uh, will take place without Trey Mancini and that's a gut punch. Um, obviously on a human level, you know, our heart goes out to Trey and, you know, we, we just wish him the best in recovery. Um, you know, obviously everyone has a, a story as far as being related to a cancer survivor or having lost someone to cancer or uh, what have you. And so you know, all of us, obviously, are just with Trey outside of baseball. But it does suck to not have him with, you
0: know, on the baseball field. I mean, he's our best player, uh, right? He's right there with John Means, I'd say, in terms of being your best player. And I would say he's your most consistently best player right now on the roster.
1: Absolutely. And here's the other weird thing. You know, the 60-player the pool was announced and i think that the orioles have like four outfielders on that pool
0: Yeah, so without got, Trey
1: mancini they have four
0: outfielders of note yeah they've got four listed outfielders in austin hayes anthony santander uh dwight smith jr and dj stewart however jake i i do have a mild gripe here if, if you don't mind Okay. Grape away. I, I, I'm very disappointed that you didn't call out Steve Wilkerson, who's listed as an infielder, also can potentially be an outfielder. Uh, obviously, we know Chris Davis can also play outfield. Um, so, you know, we might see some, some of him there. Um, I think that we may see, you know, uh, you know Andrew Velasquez or Pat Valakia, you know, out of Minnesota, um, potentially pulling in the outfield. I think there are plenty of people here that the Orioles could just shove out there um, in, in case they need someone to take a break.
1: Sure, yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, I'm just, I'm just curious that there aren't more more people in the uh, in the pool. Like, for instance, is Mason Williams still on the roster?
0: Uh, it does not appear to be that he is on the roster anymore.
1: Well, I guess he's I guess he's gone back to uh, to Rhode Island.
0: That was a good callback, by the way,
1: with Pat and from uh, Minnesota. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, any other? Any other surprises from the 60-man player pool outside of how just dreadfully thin we are in the outfield?
0: So, I mean, I think the biggest one that people were shocked by was just the lack of um, prospects that were present in the initial 60-man player pool list. Um, obviously, a few folks had already been optioned um, to Triple A Norfolk, um, around Mount Castle being one of them. Uh, it's it's it is surprising to me that you know the Orioles didn't, in essence, flood their player pool list with some additional folks um Mm -hmm. but i'd say that's pretty much my only concern at this point but um you know there's plenty of people that are going to still be added evan phillips was added um i believe as of yesterday um i would assume that some other players are going to get added as well in the very near future as well but seeing other organizations pull up their top you know four or five prospects into their 60 man player pool list um, it was a little surprising to me that the orals didn't do the same
1: Okay, so, dumb question. This is me not knowing anything about baseball. Doesn't the 60-game season mean that it's pointless to blow somebody's service time on this?
0: So I don't know right? if their like, service why, time— Why like, start the clock? I don't think their service time would count if they're on the 60-man player pool list. They would have to be on the 40-man roster um, okay. in order for that to occur. And then they would actually have to be on the active 25-man roster— in order for them to garner service time. So just because you're on the 60 man player pool list doesn't mean that you're actually active and you're playing in major league baseball. It just means that you could be pulled from there. Um, if you wanted to be during the course of the season with this, you know, taxi shuttling standpoint, but the teams are going to have to settle on, um, 26 and I believe it's 27 players this year, um, with the whole COVID restriction. Um, and again, those are the folks that will actually garner service time throughout the entire season. Well, the
1: the roster will be thirty on day one of the season. Right. Uh, after what a week or whatever, it goes down to twenty eight, and then to the regular twenty six uh, man roster. But then they are going to keep that like thirty man taxi squad, correct? Um, so yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see who the Orioles have there. The other thing that that I I think about is that you know if the orioles could could carry a 30man roster for the entire season, i think the pitching situation would look a lot better for them right because I, f- I feel like they've got guys that can probably give you a pretty decent five innings um you know by committee like that like you know is let's say david hess a starting fifth you know fifth starter at a major league level probably not. But on a thirty-man roster, could he come and give you a start every, you know, seventh, eighth, tenth day, and a couple of meaningful innings in between? Yeah, probably he can. I think that the Orioles are going to be well set uh, during that thirty-man roster situation, and it will be the, the uh, gaping holes in
0: their roster will be exposed as it gets, uh, you
1: know, winnowed down.
0: No, I mean, I, I completely, completely agree. Um, you know, I just think it's interesting, you know, looking at it and, you know, looking at the, you know, modifications that were made. You know, the 10-day DAL, um has come back up again uh, for pitchers and hitters. So I think that's interesting. Um, yeah, I, like I said, I think that there is going to be roster manipulation. And um, it'll be interesting to see maybe not the Orioles, but I think there's going to be certain teams that do a really good job of being... Very creative um, with the roster aspect. Um, One off the top of my head would be the Rays. I think the Rays are going to do some really intriguing things um, with their pitching staff. Um, And I think we'll see how well that translates into a 60-game season. But I think people are underlooking the Rays at this given point. I think the Rays are going to be really good in this short period of time.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it will be a different contest. Right. It's not going to be a one hundred and sixty two game marathon. It will be who can pull all the right levers, push all the right buttons to win a, a short season.
0: Correct. Exactly. So,
1: so let, let me you know, let's look at the, the, the schedule then. Um, you know, we're going to be playing 60 games. I, you know, the, the Major League Baseball. Hey, thanks for the free content, by the way. I appreciate it. Released the schedule today at six o'clock. And I got to be honest, like, you know, I know that they're only playing 60 games. I I know it's going to be a shorter season, but it really hit me when I visually saw the season and I was like, that's it. Yeah. (laughs) Like I saw the schedule and I was like, whoa. So we get a couple of weeks in July. We get baseball in August and only most of September. And that's it. Yeah, it's like one, two, three, four, five homestands. It's uh yeah, it it really hits you when you when you see it. But um, l- let me ask you this, Scotty. Will the Orioles be playing meaningful games in September? No. <laughs> okay, so you're telling me that that after thirty, forty games, they're going to be out of it.
0: Yeah, I think someone mentioned. Um, I can't remember who it was, but they said that. Um, in, I think Bob Nightingale was recording a Major League Baseball player and was saying um, they said for the first time ever, every single Major League Baseball team will be um, still in position to get a playoff spot going into September. And I said, not the Tigers uh, and the Orioles. <laughs> not all of them. Not all of them. But um, no, I, I don't think the Orioles are going to be in a competitive situation whatsoever uh, come September. I think that by the time... I think by the time that we're finishing up the the, the second homestand against Boston, um, so let's call it the 23rd of August, the the season will be completely over at that point. Like The team will be like, okay, we've won four games. Um, we've lost a lot. Um, and mm-hmm. this is pretty much what we would expect expected over a six-month season. Um, but yeah, I mean, with it being so heavy in the AL East and in the NL East, I don't expect very good things to be happening for the Baltimore Orioles.
1: All right. So do you think that the Orioles aside, because we're special, clearly. Very special. Do you you think that a 60-game season will mean that more teams feel like, you know, they can roll the dice and maybe they'll make the playoffs? And, you know, this is the weird and wacky way that they get that ring or do you think that there will be more teams that are like, you know, what? Sixty games is just that not it's just not that hard to tank. Like the investment for a, a number one uh, draft pick is is simply not that difficult this year. Wh- which way do you think it'll go?
0: So I think that we're going to get to um, the end of August and going into September, and I do think there's going to be a lot of teams that are competitive. Maybe not so much in certain divisions. But I think, you know, if we look at the wild card situation, I think the wild card is going to be wide open. Um, it'll be interesting to see if people will say we are going to go out there and actually trade um, to try to get in there. I think if we would have saw an expanded playoff situation like was being predicted, I think maybe mm-hmm. more teams would have been interested in participating in that. But the fact that you're a wild card team only going into a one game series, I think there's going to be still a reluctance um, for people to go big Um, And basically, think they have a chance.
1: Yeah. All right. So uh, you're not expecting big things from from the 2020 Baltimore Orioles, with
0: your time. I'm not expecting big things from the 2020 Orioles, and I'm not expecting too many surprises, as it were, for the 2020 season.
1: Okay. Uh, Is it too early for me to ask you for your your over under for wins?
0: Sure. Um, So we're playing 60 games. Uh I'm going to say the Orioles are going to win 14 games this season. <laughs> 14 games.
1: The the funny thing about that is that in a 60 in a 60 game season, like it would be the Orioles luck to just hit that cold streak right away, right? Yes. <laughs> like they always go through a month or two of the season where it's just like nothing goes right for them. And that would be so much their luck, right? Like, what was it? Was it the 2002 season where they went like 4-32 and 32 to close out the season?
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he, here's what I'll say is I think the Orioles will, um, you know, start off somewhat okay uh, for the first week of the season. And people are going to be like, hey, they're like 3-5, and five, like, that's not that bad. Uh, Maybe they could turn it around and, you know, get in there for a wild card spot. And then they're going to go in during the, you know, the second full week of the season against the Yankees and the Nationals and the Phillies, and then back to the Nationals again. And they're going to get trounced. Like they're going to get demolished. Uh, And then people are going to be like, Oh, this is a really bad team. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how many people get really excited um during that first, we'll call it seven to ten games. I have a well, you know, seven to ten games, that's you know, more than ten percent of the season. Well, that's what I'm saying is people are gonna get really excited. They're gonna be like, hey, if they can do that for only ten percent of the season, if they were just a little bit better, or if they won that those two one one losses they had, you know, maybe they could be a playoff team. And it's just like you're still a really bad team. Like it, they're still going to do really bad for the rest of the season. So. All right. I have, I have two bold predictions. Okay.
1: My first bold prediction. We're, we're blowing this. We should do this on the next podcast, but I'm, I'm blowing this. Screw it. We're We're going off script. My first bold prediction is that the Orioles will be a 500 team. Oh, okay.
0: Second bold prediction. That is extremely is that the, bold, by the way. Like the, I'm really wondering how much alcohol is in that Natty Bowie that you're drinking right
1: now. Mm, no, 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 no. But the, the reason for that is the second bold okay. prediction. The Orioles will be a 500 baseball team. However, that will be nowhere near close enough to get them to the wild card. And all they will do was shoot themselves in the foot for a draft position.
0: See, I'm a worse person than you. Um, and I realize this now because I have a dark soul, um, I thought you were going to say, I believe they're going to be a 500 team because the season's going to be called after only four games.
1: <laughs> I mean, that, that certainly may be. <laughs> that certainly may be.
0: So we, if the season is called early, and let's say the Orioles only play like four or five games, but they have a winning record, do we put it on there saying, hey, the Orioles finally got back into the win column? No, no, that you're not asking the right question, Scott.
1: <laughs> if the Orioles are in first place after the three games that are played in the 2020 season, do they hang a banner?
0: Oh, there you go. Um, I'm thinking no, but, um, you know, I, I've been surprised in the past. I mean, a first-place finish is a first-place finish. That's true. That's a good point. I mean, Bowie just came out with their undefeated T-shirts and everything like that. So, <laughs> Did they really? Yes. Miss that.
1: That's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty. If, if, the 20, if the 2020 season gets called before they start playing games, you got to know that the, the local uh, T-shirt folks among us will, will figure that out.
0: Oh, absolutely. All right. Anything else that you want to add here? No, I think we've said more than enough. All right. Well, then let's go ahead and blow the save. Uh, Jake, why don't you go ahead and take it away?
1: yeah this was a this was a big weekend. It was a, an incredibly big weekend for you know almost everybody I know. And uh, I'm not referring specifically to uh, Independence Day celebration. I mean you and I have talked a little bit off mic about the awkwardness of, you know, uh, loving one's country who's who's not necessarily in a position to be loved right now. Um, but no, this was a big weekend in the fact that this was Hamilton weekend ah oh, yes and I have a 13 year old girl at home sorry almost 13 year old girl at home who was into theater and so this this weekend has been marked on the calendar for quite some time now Scotty I, I have a confession I, I was late getting to the Hamilton game which which sounds weird uh, given my my background but it wasn't until you picked a tweet, Uh, for this week on the Twitters and made me sing it uh, that I, that I started listening to the Hamilton soundtrack. Um, So this weekend, Scott basically was, was dedicated to you. I don't know how long it's going to be before the uh, the Disney plus service goes back to normal. I've seen more of the spinning circle this weekend than ever before. Uh, But I I hope everyone, you know, who, who is in a similar position is, is okay. You know, I hope Hope you're recovering uh, from the addicts in your household. You know, constantly watching, rewatching, and and re rewatching, um, so that we can all you know get a little back to normal.
0: Well, Jake, um, as your right hand man, I'm very <laughs> glad that you were satisfied, um, and I just really wish that I could have been there with you um, in the room while it happened, uh, watching that with you,
1: Scotty. In this moment in history, as we all go through. Covid 19 i just want to stay alive and frankly that would be enough
0: frankly i'm actually hoping that we see a reoccurrence uh from mark reynolds so that it can be written as the reynolds pamphlet going forward in the future
1: (laughs) 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 oh my goodness and that that is our show (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com.
0: Birdseye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback. It encourages other people to listen for the first time.
1: Come and get social with us. No, it's not just on Untapped, folks. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us all over social media. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at BirdseyeView B A L. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all
0: a fond adieu adieu Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's.
1: You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go!